Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. The date is August 31st, 1798. The place is Philadelphia. In the last podcast, number 29, we went back to the New York City winter of 1818 and met Molly Williams, the first black person and the first woman to be a firefighter. You also met a blacksmith named Patrick Lyon of Philadelphia. Now, he had turned inventor after a stint in jail, and Patrick had patented the most powerful hand-pumped engine in the United States. Firefighters referred to it as a bull engine. It was pulling the bull engine to the Williams Street Fire that made Molly Williams a legend and the first female and the first black firefighter to serve. I told you we can thank the first bank robbery for the newest firefighting equipment and that I would detail the story in another podcast. This is the podcast. You are about to solve the first official bank robbery of the United States. First, let's build the bank. Alexander Hamilton was the elected New York representative when he would propose a centralized bank, and Congress drafted this first bank's charter in 1791. George Washington would sign it with a flourish, Over $110,000 went into the construction of the building. Construction began with the ring of hammers and chisels sounding in Philadelphia, which was the nation's capital. The bank would move into Carpenter's Hall until 1795, and it was christened the First Bank of the United States. On the morning of September 1st, 1798, the first official bank robbery occurred in the official first bank in the new United States of America. Now, it's important to understand what was happening in Philadelphia at this time. If you picked up a copy of the August 25, 1798 edition of the Pittsburgh Weekly Gazette, you would read the Health Office of Philadelphia's August 9, 1798 report from the Academy of Medicine. The report will tell you that the yellow fever epidemic was the fault of the timber of a ship after a sea voyage, from the foul air of several ships, and from damaged coffee which arrived in a brig from Jamaica on the July 29th shipment. A cafe of this fever exited in the city, appeared to originate from the putrid exhalations of alleys and gutters and docks, and from the flagnating waters in the neighborhood of the city. And a sentence on page two should make you pause. The situation had grown so drastic that the Academy of Medicine was suggesting 
the removal of all families from those parts of the city where the contamination of the atmosphere appears chiefly to exist. In other words, if you were healthy and had not been exposed to yellow fever, get out of town. Now, meet the first official suspect of the first bank robbery in the United States. Some citizens were lucky to be free of the yellow fever and be able to escape Philly, to include blacksmith Patrick Lyon and his apprentice. The apprentice is a man who is never officially named. He is just the apprentice. But first, Lyon had to complete a rush job at the Bank of Pennsylvania before fleeing the contamination of the atmosphere. The blacksmith had to make changes to fittings and locks on the vault doors. Finally, after this job, Patrick Lyon and his apprentice went off to sea. They boarded a small sailing vessel, and they must have breathed sighs of relief and, finally, clean air, escaping this horrible plague. But by the time they stepped off the ship at Delaware, the apprentice wasn't breathing so well. He would die two days later. No record exists as to the cause of his death. Lyon stayed in Delaware, listening to the talk of how the plague was emptying Philadelphia of its inhabitants. But now there was new gossip. Someone was emptying the safe at the Bank of Pennsylvania at Carpenter's Hall between the night of August 31st and the morning of September 1st, 1798, to the tune of over $162,000. Now that would be an estimated $3.2 million today. Patrick Lyon's interest was more than just listening to this gossip. Because remember, before fleeing Philadelphia, he had that rush job for this very same bank. He had changed the fittings and locks on both iron vault doors. He had inside knowledge of the bank's operations, and he knew the locks on the vaults. It made him a prime suspect. But, was he a part of the plan to empty the vault? Thus, that's why he rushed off to Delaware? After realizing he was suspect, Lyon began packing his bags to return to Philly and clear his name. So, what is that proverb about honesty makes a man's life easier? Well, it didn't ring true for Patrick Lyon. Despite his claim he had nothing to do with a theft at the first official bank of the United States, he was awarded with a one-way ride to the Walnut Street Prison. No doubt Lyon was miserable at the Walnut Street Jail. It was built to relieve overcrowding, and while Congress was voting to declare independence in 1776, the first prisoner was settling into a bunk at the Walnut Street Jail. In 1790, the penitentiary section would be added, and it would be considered the first in the United States. Lyon sat in the jail for three months. He was not yet formally charged, so they held him in solitary confinement, a root cellar. Lyon didn't receive much food, so malnutrition was causing his hair to fall out in handfuls, and he wasn't allowed many visitors. Just as on the outside in the streets of Philly, yellow fever was racing through the hallways of the prison, more so due to the conditions inside. And again, Lyon was able to stay clear of catching the disease. 
And then the real bank robbers stepped forward. A local carpenter named Isaac Davis made a confession. It was he who robbed the bank. And, he added, Lyon was never in on the heist. Not in the beginning, not during, and not in the end. Ever. Absolutely, positively not guilty. But the bank directors, who played a dual role as private prosecutors in the case, believed differently. Lyon was the most skilled man in Philadelphia in making duplicate keys. And these guys were convinced this is what was used to break into the vault. But that was not how the vault was breached, as we will learn. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania formally charged Lyon as an accessory before the fact. In January 1799, the grand jury returned the charge against Lyon as ignoramus, or insufficiently proven, and Patrick Lyon walked free. He would later write a book, don't they all, after a big case. Patrick Lyon sued the state. And a jury awarded Lyon $12,000. That would be $250,000 in today's money. But the whole thing ruined his blacksmith business, so he began designing. And that's what led to firefighting equipment that saved many a building and many lives. Handcuffs would eventually click around the actual burglar's wrist. Isaac Davis had an inside man, a bank porter named Thomas Cunningham. A third team member had caught the plague infiltrating the city and died from yellow fever shortly after the heist. It had all gone as planned until the thieves did one stupid thing. They deposited the stolen money into the Bank of Pennsylvania, the same bank they robbed. The theft of the money from the Bank of Pennsylvania at Carpenter's Hall set a precedent. Meticulous planning, well-done teamwork, and then a stupid, stupid mistake that would help catch the thieves. Now comes a twist to the story. The governor would grant Isaac Davis, the robber, a full pardon because Davis returned the stolen money. The 1798 heist of $162,821,000 from the first official bank, the Bank of Pennsylvania at Carpenter's Hall, is significant in crime. It was technically a burglary, not a robbery, but historically it's called the first major American bank robbery. It made Isaac Davis the first official bank robbery in the United States. Many men would follow. It would take almost a hundred years for a woman to officially join the bank robber's list. Her name is Cora Hubbard. And you learned more about her in podcasts number 10 and 11 called The First Lady of Bank Robbery. Now think about this. Can you think of any recent cases that kept an innocent man imprisoned because of rumor or innuendo? Or because somebody just thought they did it because they were good at something. So, evidently, they did the crime. The story of the first bank robbery and many others can be found in my book, Put the Money in My Purse, A History of Female Bank Robbery, published by Exposit Books. 
The book can be found at www.besttruecrime.com. And speaking of dollars, you can become a patron. Score a signed book, including Put the Money in My Purse, A History of Female Bank Robbery, and you can hear podcasts before they are released to the public. Just go to the website, besttruecrime.com, and click on Podcasts. You'll see a Donate button. We rely on the kindness of strangers. Be safe out there. Hey listeners, this is Judith A. Yates reminding you that it is getting cold outside. And while you're inside staying warm, your pets should be warm too. Even if it's just the garage or in the barn, get your pets some hay or straw to curl up in to stay warm. You should keep your cats and dogs inside when the temperature falls below 40 degrees outside, even dogs with thick fur. Antifreeze is a deadly poison. It has a sweet taste that attracts animals, so be sure and clean up any spilled antifreeze. Check your car's hood before starting the car. Either bang on the hood or honk your horn, because cats and small animals will crawl up in the engine space to stay warm, and you don't want to start your engine with an animal in there. Clean off paws if you suspect your dogs or your cats have walked through rock salt because they'll lick their feet and that rock salt in their system is not good. Cats should never be left outdoors, even if they roam outside during other seasons. Bring them in. And remember, a pet carrier is not a doghouse. If you need a doghouse and are having hard times financially, you can usually find them for free. Check Craigslist under the free listings. And you can usually find them if you keep your eye open. Always provide fresh drinking water in the winter. And for more information, go to www.aspca.org. Let's leave animal abusers out in the cold. Let's not leave the animals. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.